Well, again, we're glad you are here with us this morning. And as was mentioned during our announcement time, uh, we've got a lot of things going on this summer. And I just want to encourage you to allow this season, I know it's not officially, officially summer yet, but we know that we're already in those summer vibes, right? And as we're in those summer vibes, one of the things I want to encourage you to think about is what are the ways you could grow and deepen your relationship with Jesus and with others? And so we're providing a bunch of opportunities throughout the summer to do that, to engage with one another, but also to serve together, whether that's as friends or with your family. Here at Riverbend, we've got a couple different things that are going on as far as space improvements, as well as we're going to have cookouts in the parking lot on a Wednesday. So we've got a couple of those things lined up and things going on like that. And then we've got things like Faith Night coming up uh, this next Friday, and then other opportunities. And and I would just want to encourage you to be thinking about what it is that God would have for you in this. Because one of the things we want to do is we want to increase our ability to not only experience who he is, uh, but our awareness of the ways in which he's inviting us to grow in generosity. Generosity with our times, with our time, with our gifts, uh, with our, our financial resources. And the reason why we want to do that is because Jesus ultimately ultimately wants for us to experience this way of life that is found only through him and to be free, our hearts to be free, to experience what it is that we were created and designed for. And so whenever we live open-handed like that, it not only sets us free, but there's a joy that is ours as we choose to step into those things. And so don't let this summer go by. I know there's a lot going on. I'm not saying you got to be at everything that we're providing. That's not my point. My point is to be intentional to be intentional with, hey, you know what? I'm going to make this summer count. I'm going to make it an opportunity for, for myself to grow and to help others to grow as well. Um, not just to be thinking about myself only, but to be thinking about others as well. So to live open-handedly, to live from a generous posture. So we'll just invite you to consider that. Prayerfully ask God to show you exactly how he would have you be connected to what we're doing this summer but to not let this summer go by and to say, wow, that, was, that went really fast. And I don't feel like I necessarily experienced a deepening in my relationship with Jesus and with others. And so we want to encourage you, encourage you to be prayerful about that. But again, we're glad you're here with us as we're continuing a teaching series that we've been in for some time called Love Has One. And so we've been journeying through the gospel of John throughout this whole ministry year. And now we've been in the section of scripture, John 13 through 17. And then eventually we're going to make our way through the rest of John's gospel after we get through this portion of scripture here in John 17. But before we jump into the passage today, I want to ask you this question. And it's, what would you pray if the end of your time on earth was near? What would you pray? I want you to think about that. Like, what would you pray Uh, Would you pray a prayer of, God, help me. Help me right now. Help me to finish well. Would you pray a prayer for family and friends? Um, Would you pray a prayer of saying, God, in the midst of all that has happened in my life, I'm grateful for you fill in the blank. How, How would you pray? What would you pray if the end of your time was near? And there's been study after study done, not only about prayer, but about how when you come to the end of your life, there's a sensitivity and an awareness that you don't have as you're going through the normal routine of life. And when you come towards the end of your life, not only does the awareness of your need for God increase, 
and you recognize the reality that our time here on earth, while it feels long, is really short. (laughs) The other part of it is you acknowledge the things that you thought mattered don't really matter. You just have more awareness. And so you reach out and you perhaps would let others know what they mean to you. You would make right relationships that were made wrong. You would seek to offer forgiveness or to ask for forgiveness, right? They would change the whole dynamic of how you would live your life. And what we get to see from Jesus as we jump into John 17 is we get to see how actually he did pray as his time was coming to an end here on earth. How he prayed, what he prayed, informs us about what our prayer life should look like, but also the way of life that we're invited into with Jesus. The fact that he's invited us into this life with him. And so his prayer informs us. And I'll never forget as a 19-year-old first reading this prayer, and it just captivated my heart. It's one of my all-time favorite prayers in the Bible. And it's found in John 17. And over these next three weeks, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be jumping through John 17. And I actually want to take section upon section of this prayer because I want us to be thinking about what does this say about how Jesus prayed and not only what it says about how he prayed, but really the way of life that he's inviting us into. What significance does that play for us? Uh, Because again, you're going to see how he prayed, but also how he did pray for people as well. And so that's going to come up as we make our way here through John 17. And it says this, starting in verse 1, verses are on the screen. We have free copies of the Bible as well. They're on on your way out here this morning. Make sure you grab one if you don't have one, and it will be in the app as well. It says this, it says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. And so there's a, a word that comes up again and again here. Do you guys pick up on it? What's, what's the word that comes up again and again? It starts with a G to give you. Glorify. And in this prayer, you're going to hear glorify come up again and again and again. In fact, seven times you're going to hear this come up in John 17. And one of the things that Jesus moves from doing is he was teaching a lot through John 13 through 16, communicating to his disciples in the upper room discourse. But then beyond that point, he shifts and says, hey, I want to pray. And him praying, he starts off by saying, Father. And you got to remember when the disciples asked him how to pray, he said, this is how you pray, our Father who art in heaven. In other words, there's this intimate interaction between God the Son and God the Father. And so you see Jesus modeling this way. When he he prays, he says, Father, the hour has come. And that hour that he's referring to is when he was going to be crucified on the cross. That's the hour that he's referring to, the suffering that he was going to endure. And he says, glorify your Son And then he says that your son may glorify you. And you see this beautiful dance between God the Father, God the Son, and even God the Holy Spirit through this section of Scripture of John 13 through 17, which is really to bring glory, to bring glory to one another. And that word glory really signifies this idea of saying we want 
to bring you praise and honor and reverence. We want to acknowledge the fullness of who you are, the weightiness of who you are. We want to lift you up. We want to make you famous. We want your renown to spread. This is what he's referring to as he's praying these things. And Jesus says something about authority here. And I think this is really key that we don't miss this. He says, you have given me authority over all people. Authority over all people. And I want us to not miss that, that Jesus has authority over all people. And this is key because in the Gospel of John, as we started back in the fall, you may forget this, but it says that life is made through Jesus. And not only is life made through Jesus, but he shows us and tells us the way that life is meant to be lived. He is the light of life, as it says in John. And so he says, hey, you've given authority over all people to me. He's acknowledging where that source has come from. God the Father gave this to God the Son. And he says that the ones you have given me would have eternal life. And all of humanity is invited into this right standing and relationship with God. But I don't want us to miss this. You know the, the passage in John three sixteen where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave, right? He gave his one and only son. I've never noticed this until I was getting ready for today. But while the gift that we receive is Jesus for sure, the gift that God the Father gave Jesus himself was us. We are the gift that he has given to the Son. And it's beautiful to think about because he says, all authority over people has been given to me. And so you're a gift, and so much so that he was willing to suffer and endure. And we're going to even see how he left what had always been to pursue us in just a few moments as we go through this. But then we get to John 17, 3. And I want us to read this out loud together on three. One, two, three. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so as you read this, as you hear this, he says this is eternal life. This is eternal life. And oftentimes when we hear a verse like this and we talk about eternal life, we talk about life when it ends here on earth. And as our good friend, Rich McDaniel, who's been teaching through this series with us as well, has said again and again, oftentimes what happens is we think about a future hope and reality that's ours forever with Jesus. And that is true, but it doesn't start when our life ends. It starts when we put our trust in Jesus. We experience eternal life today. And a lot of times we can answer questions about tomorrow. What happens when I die? And that's an important question. Don't get me wrong. But it's just not complete. What happens now? <laughs> As Rich said for a long time, he thought this was just a verse about eternal life, specifically talking about eternal life that was just the answer for what happens when you die, but doesn't give hope and purpose for today. Doesn't change the way we go through our daily lives in this moment. But it says very clearly here that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Say the word with me, no. No. And, and to know isn't just, hey, I have academic, intellectual knowledge. That's not what it is alone. To know in this terminology, in the Greek, is the most intimate expression of experiencing somebody fully. It's the idea that you share life with somebody in such a way that you know what they like and they don't like. 
you've experienced so much life with who they are and, and the, the stories that you could tell because you've shared life with one another, the highs, the lows, you've experienced life with them in that type of way. You know, I think about my wife who I've known for over 24 years. And I know things about my wife that some others don't know about her. I know that her favorite flower is a yellow Gerber daisy. I know that. I know that when I bring that home from Wegmans, by the way, great place if you're looking for great Gerber daisies, I'm here for you. Wegmans, when I, when I come home with that, man, that just brightens her day, brightens her mood. It, it allows beauty into our home, and I know that means a lot to her. I know how to drive her crazy as well. As only I can do as her husband, right? I know how to do that. I know one of the ways to drive her crazy is that when she wakes up first thing without any coffee, jumping into conversation. But I can do that because I'm a morning guy, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? But I, it took me a while <laughs> after being married to realize that is not a good recipe for really deepening our relationship. We, we, we got some intense fellowship going on as a result of that. I know that about her. I know that about Amy. And, and she knows things about me. She knows things that bring me joy and things that concern me and things that I really uh, drive me crazy as well. She, she knows that. And as I'm getting to know my son, who's just turned seven, there's things I know about him and things he knows about me. I, I know he, he loves when I jump on that trampoline with him. He loves when we pal around together. And we are just in the same room doing things like coloring Super Mario coloring pages together. He loves stuff like that. These experiences that we're sharing in together. I, I was thinking about even the idea of, of knowing someone, and not only in a marriage context, in, a, in, in uh, a family context like my son and, my, and him knowing me and me knowing him, I was thinking about our friend Shad Gilbert who was here last Sunday and how Shad was sharing with me as we got together and he came over for dinner. He was sharing with, with me about coming home here after being away for so long, reminded him of the relationships that he's traveled with people for a length of time, that he knows them and they know him. It's like home. And these are his friends. These are people that he would consider like family. And in the same way, Jesus is saying, listen, we're meant to know, we're meant to know the only true God in Christ whom you have sent. We're meant to know, we know that access to God the Father comes through the finished work of Jesus. But I don't want you to miss this because we're meant to have this intimate interaction with our heavenly Father through Jesus Christ to experience the fullness of life, Christ in us, the hope of glory, Today, that's available for those who are in Jesus. And so I want you not to miss this because when you read a verse like this, oftentimes we forget that when Jesus is describing eternal life, he doesn't use language that solely talks about what happens when this time on, in life is over. In fact, the way he's even praying for us and the things he's praying about reminds us of this vibrant relationship that he had with God the Father that's available to us through him, through Jesus. I mean, the hours that are going to come that are going to lead to his suffering and his death and his burial, he's praying this way. And so as we think about this, I want to give you a couple things here. First is this, eternal life is to be experienced daily by walking with Jesus. Eternal life is to be experienced daily 
by walking with Jesus. And when we think about walking with Jesus, I just want you to think about how you could walk with Jesus where you work, where you play, where you live, where you lift weights at, <laughs> uh, where you drink coffee at, where you go to lunch at, where you go out to eat at, where you shop at. I want you to think about what would it look like to walk with Jesus in such a way that when you're, you're diving into Scripture and you're praying, and we need those times for sure, that's the fuel to, to our walk with God and, and the life in the Spirit. But as you're walking with Him, that there's just such an awareness that He gets your attention and He's doing things in you as you're doing the things that seem humdrum but are part of life. How would that change how you go about those things? And even how you would experience things like pain and suffering. You know, like Jesus is about to experience the worst type of suffering ever. And his response in that moment is to cry out. It's to pray. What if, what if we walked in that kind of way? The humdrum, the suffering, the pain, the joy, the delight. What if we walked with Jesus in that way? Because this is available to us to experience eternal life with him to experience this way of life where we share in anything and everything with him. And not only the joy and the delight and the hard and the difficult, but the hum, drum, ordinary, boring. That we would come to him with all that we have, that instead of trying to be tactful in our prayer life with our heavenly father through the finished work of Jesus by the power of the spirit, we would come truthfully. <laughs> we would talk to him. I, I recently did this. In fact, I did this yesterday. Had an untactful conversation with our Heavenly Father. And just talking to him. Talking to him about all the things that I was experiencing and seeing. And as I was doing that, comfort and clarity came. And not only did that come, but then he invited me to go over to another part of the park I was walking in. And I jumped into some conversations with people that were there. Meeting to talk to lay leaders about pastoral ministry. They were in a park doing that. It was like, I really didn't want to go talk to these people, but the Lord was like, no, I'm inviting you. Will you, will you join me? Will you join me where I'm, where I'm going? And to be aware of, hey, walking with you is this adventure, this adventure that we're invited into. And here's the next part of this. Do you have the same definition for eternal life that Jesus does? I want you to think about that. Like, Somewhere you probably want to write down John 17, 3. I really want to invite you, especially if you grew up in the church. Because what can happen is we can settle for a different definition than Jesus himself gave when it comes to eternal life. And unfortunately, we miss out on the life that we were created for. We miss out on what it is he's invited us into, this adventure, this walking with him. And so I want to make sure you don't miss it, because I want this for you. And Jesus wants this for you. He's made a way for us to experience this life with him through what he would do for us. But again, I don't want us to miss this. This is how Jesus is praying as his time's coming to an end. So this is really significant and important, what he's saying here and how he's communicating. And then as we continue on here, here's something that just may help you as you think about praying these ways. Jesus, help me to daily experience the promise of eternal life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just praying something like that. It doesn't have to be these exact words. But just that you would pray that way, that you would have an awareness. Hey, wait a minute. I'm invited into this. And so I thought what we could do is we could 
practice this. We could practice praying this together. So I want you to read it quietly for a minute, and then we're going to read it out loud together on three. Okay? Read it quietly, and then we'll, we'll read it out loud on three. One, two, three. Jesus, help me to daily experience the promise of eternal life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, I want you to be, when you start praying this way, whenever you're praying in faith, it brings awareness. It helps you to see things that are just out of your purview. You're not seeing them from that perspective. But when you're prayerful, you start to see per with purposeful eyes. There starts to be an awareness. There starts to be a deepening uh, understanding of the things that God is up to and the ways he's at work. Well, as we continue on here in this prayer, it says this, in John 17, 4 through 5, it says this, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Oh, man, this is so beautiful and profound. He says very clearly, he says, I've brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. I brought you glory when I came here. When I, when I left, what was always, right? We read that in the second part of this verse. When I came on this mission to pursue a prodigal people, a rebellious people who had went astray from the design that I had for them, the purposes in which I created them for. We created them for. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I came here. And I live this life, and this life now is going to lead me to this death march. And I'm willingly laying my life down on the cross for the sin of all humanity, the shame of all humanity, the pride of all humanity, the blame of all humanity, the fear of all humanity, the unrighteous and unholy anger of humanity, the way that we misuse people and objectify them the things that we turn to to numb out the pain jesus says hey i've come to rescue them to set them free they're held captive they need to be rescued and i've done that mission i've done that work and not only am i going to hang on a cross but three days later i'm going to resurrect from the dead and i'm going to appear to these witnesses i'm going to ascend to the right hand of you i've done the work that you have sent me to do. You love me and you love those that you sent me to, Father. I am completing this rescue mission. I am doing what it is that you've asked me to do. And think about this. He did this for the joy, it says in Hebrews 12, that was set before him. He did this out of joy and delight for what the Father, our Heavenly Father, had for him to do. And for the joy and the light of seeing us rescued and brought into a right standing in a relationship with God, to be set free for the purposes in which we were created for. Think about this. And he says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. I have lifted you up. I have made much of you. I have followed what you have for me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before the world began. Glorify me, glorify me as I've glorified you, 
and glorify me with the glory that we shared before the world ever began. And when you think about that, when you get to Genesis, you see this really beautiful picture of how God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are there and they're hovering over the water and they're creating and that we're made in their image. That's why we're wired up for relationship. That's why isolation is one of the worst forms of torture because we weren't wired up to live life that way. As we're seeing very clearly as Jesus is talking to his Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, we're seeing the need for connection. We are wired that way. And so as you think about this, you have to be reminded of what Hebrews 13 says. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always been and will always be self-existing, self-sustaining, and yet they chose to invite us in and made us in their image. Wow, that's powerful to think about. But he says, I want to go back to what we once shared in before I came here to do this rescue mission. And we know that's going to come, but I don't want us to miss this because this glory that they share in, it happens in part because Jesus has chosen the path of submission. Do you notice how there's this humility? He says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you had for me. I've, I've submitted, I've surrendered myself to you. I've willingly done this. And he says, as I brought you glory, now glorify me. Let's get back to the glory that we once shared. And I think this is a good time for us to think about even how we go about pursuing glory, how we chase glory, how we seek to build platforms and become influencers and to make a name for ourselves and have a reputation for people to sing, sing our praises and to think highly of us. And there's nothing wrong with people thinking well of you, but here's the, the danger. We could be glory grabbing and glory chasing versus seeking to join Jesus and bringing God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit glory and sharing in the glory. We're, we're co-heirs with Christ into this glory. And as I was thinking about this, I was reading through the Psalms, and I love reading the Psalms. Try to daily read one Psalm just for my own soul and my own mental well-being before the Lord. And as I was reading through the Psalms, I was reminded of how glory shows up in the Psalms. And so I want to just give you a, a couple of references. here. So, Psalm 4, it says this, How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love, what's the word here? Delusions. Mm. And seek false gods. Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. And it's really interesting. He says, how long, O oh men, will you turn my glory into shame? What God says of me, what God has bestowed upon me. And I think it's interesting, they've exchanged even glory for shame, not only the way they've talked about this particular psalmist here, right, David? But when we pursue delusions and seek false gods, that looks like glory, but it's a form of shame. It's not the way of life that we were created for. It takes us outside the boundary lines that he has for us. But we all have these delusions. So what are the delusions you're pursuing that look like glory, but they're not really glory? They fade away. 
That's not the glory that Jesus received. That's not the glory that we're to share in with him. And he says, again, know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. We're set apart to God through the finished work of Jesus. So we're made holy because of Jesus and what he's done for us. But holiness also means that we share in a way of life with him. That we're called not only out from something, from our bondage to freedom, but also to the adventure of life with him. That we're meant to share in this life with him. And so he says he set us apart. And then it goes on to say this. It says, many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. In other words, to say that, let your glory shine upon us. Let the light of your face shine upon us. Fill my hearts with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. And as you read through the psalm, he's just saying, listen, you're the one who allows me to receive and to share in your glory. You're the one that allows me to experience this way of life that you have for me. And that there's this joy that is mine in yours. There's this peace that I have in you. There's this way that I don't, as you read through that psalm and it's whole, I don't have to let my anger turn to unrighteous anger and live a life of being reactionary versus saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm sharing in the glory. I can come under the loving authority of Jesus, what he's done for me, knowing that part of glory sharing is also the path of receiving that glory, which is submission, which is suffering and pain, which is saying to God the Father, I need you. I want you. I want to experience you. And then when we go to Psalm 8, it says this. And let's just read this out loud together on three. One, two, three. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. It's beautiful to think about. Again, I love this question. What is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? And maybe you experience that in your own inner monologue. I think we, if we're all honest, there's times we have those kind of questions. Who am I? <laughs> Who am I? Like, I'm no one. I'm nothing. So we can have this really false sense of humility, or we can over lift ourselves up, right? This arrogance and this pride. And the psalmist just says, wait a minute. I want you not to miss how God sees you and what he says of you. You've made us a little lower than the angels, and you've crowned them with glory and honor. We're image bearers of God, and we're meant to walk with God, and we're meant to co-labor with God and co-create with God. That's why even today, when you think about these graduates, what have they chosen to do? They've chosen to co-create with God in their educational career. They've joined God in that way. They're co-creating in that space. How could they do that? Well, God put it within them. He put it within us all. We're designed that way. We're wired that way. We're meant to share in that glory. We're not meant to take the glory. I want to be really clear here. We're not meant to say, we're taking glory away from Jesus. No, no, no. We're meant to share in the glory that is his and through his finished work on our behalf. We become co-heirs with God, co-creators with Christ, co-laborers with him. And so we're not stealing that glory, but just like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit 
share and seek to bring glory and honor. We get to share in that glory. We get to display that glory. And so again, I want to make sure you have the right view of glory. What are you chasing? What are you pursuing? What are you building your life around? Is it match what the prayer of Jesus was and what the psalmist talks about? Because he's inviting us into that type of walk and relationship, that type of eternal life. So as we think about that, here's a couple things for you. Glory is given, not taken. Glory is given, not taken. And we live in a culture that loves to take glory. And if you're not fully aware of that, just go to your TikTok account. <laughs> go to Instagram, I mean Instagram, sorry. You know, go to Facebook, go to Twitter. It's all about taking. Look at me, look at my opinions, look at my thoughts, look at the way it's supposed to be. I'm the authority of life. But what did Jesus say? No, 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 I'm the authority of life. Authority has been given to me. Ultimately, I have authority. Again, glory is given, not taken. And this is so beautiful. It's freeing for us. It's freeing for us to walk in this type of attitude and spirit. And then as we continue on here, do you seek to give glory to Jesus by coming under his authority for eternal life? Because Jesus made it really clear through this prayer. He didn't walk away or step back from the glory that was his. He walked in and basked in the glory that was his. Hey, this is what you say about me, Father. That all authority for humanity and for all things dwells within me. And as that's true, as that's, as that's true, and, you, and he says the source of eternal life comes through knowing you, Father, as the only true God, and as me, the one that you've sent. When we come under that, we step into the eternal life that we were created for, this way of life that's ours. So, so let me ask you, do you seek to give glory to Jesus by coming under his authority for eternal life? And when I, when I say that, I'm asking not just in a once and done type of way of life, but an everyday, moment by moment, step by step way of life. Do you do that when it comes to your finances? And how you go about purchasing things? Do you do that when you're tempted to, to go into retail therapy? Do you ask those kind of questions, right? Do you, I mean, are you, are you asking those questions? Do you think about that when you go to work and, and you say, hey, you know what? Instead of thinking about it from the side of just being an employee, I want to think about it from the employer standpoint and the employer thinking about the employee. And, and are you seeking that way? Are you saying things like, you know what? Flexibility works both ways. Flexibility doesn't just work for the employer to the employee. It works for the employee to the employer. That's how actually teamwork and stuff actually gets done. Do, do we have that type of attitude with our work? What about our family? Do you seek to come under his authority for life when it comes to your family and how you view that? Are you, are you doing that in your relationships? In any aspect, are you holistically and integrated with the one who is the source of life? Anything, anything. And we can go through a list of things, but I think you get the point here, Right? Every part of this is to be filtered through that. And we've got to be careful because we live in a day and age where instead of having an integrated life in Christ, we do this. It's disintegrated. 
Instead of mind, body, soul, it's just one part of that. Oh, he only cares about this part. I didn't read that in John 17, did you? He made it really clear. Actually, I care about it all. I care about every aspect of your life, every part of who you are. And we do a disservice to ourselves and to others when we choose not to live an integrated way of life. Because he wants us to flourish and he wants others to flourish as well. So again, do you seek to give glory to Jesus by coming under his authority for eternal life? And one of those things that could help us is just to pray simple prayers. And so we're going to read this on our own for a moment, and then we're going to pray this out loud together when I count to three, okay? So I'm going to give you about 10 seconds to read this. Okay, one, two, three. Jesus, I surrender to you and want to share in your glory. And if we will pray this prayer, if we will pray a prayer of surrender, if we will open-handedly live this way of life, though it scares us, if we're honest, we will step fully in, fully in to what he's inviting us into. When it goes from just mere words to the declaration and the cry of our heart. Because a lot of times, this way of life that we're talking about we want it to come without surrender. But there's no other way. There's no other way to experience what he's inviting us into apart from surrender. And so surrender is a gift. It's a gift. It's for our benefit when we walk in a path and a posture of surrender. But it's scary. It's scary. So I want you to think about what is it in your life you're unwilling to surrender. And maybe you could just open the door a little bit this week to say, Jesus, I surrender, you fill in the blank. What, what is it? What is it that you're unwilling? You say, ah, I give you all these areas, but this one area, can I just hold on to this? What, what is it that he's inviting you to surrender? Because Jesus models for us, he surrendered it all to his heavenly father. And that's how he was able to share in the glory. But it wasn't apart from surrender. Surrender was the pathway for the glory sharing. He says, hey, give me the glory as I've done what you've sent me to do. I've willingly come, I've obediently come. And so I want you to be thinking, where in your life do you need to surrender? Where in your life are you unwilling to surrender? And can you just start crying out to God? Help me to surrender this. Help me to surrender this area. And I think about these college students and, and high school students and and how they're on this trajectory where the, the path is wide open and, and it's very clear for them to live a life of praying sur a surrender prayer because they're not sure what to do next maybe all the time. But I think the older we get, the more self-dependent we become. And the life that Jesus invites us in is not an independent life apart from him. It's a dependent life on him. It's saying, I want to walk with you and with everything. And the more we journey with him and the more we mature in this process, the deeper our dependence goes. The stronger our surrender becomes. That's marks of maturity. And that's the way of life that Jesus models for us. And that's how he prayed. So as you think about it this week, I want to invite you to go through John 17 and start asking, hey, how can I start praying this way? 
how can I start living out that these prayers actually being an answer to the prayers that Jesus prayed? How can I model this way of life that he so graciously provided for me in anything and everything I'm doing and where I find myself at? So as we, we go to pray here, I'm going to leave, we're going to leave this slide up just so you can have it. But as we go, we're going to pray in this posture of surrender and humility. Let's pray together. Father, right now, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you've made a way. Lord, we thank you that in you, Christ, and in you, we have the way of life. And that gives us a right standing with God the Father and to experience the life of joy and peace and love that you've always had with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And so we're thankful that we get to share in that. So right now, we pray, Jesus, that you would help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to walk with you, to be aware of the eternal life that's ours, and also to walk in a posture of surrender. So Lord, right now, we surrender ourselves. And Lord, I pray for any person who has yet to put their trust in you, that they would make that first decision of surrender. Lord, I pray for anybody here who is suffering right now and going through a, a path of difficulty. They would surrender not in the sense of giving uh, that part of what's going on to be carried only by you, but to carry it with you. Lord, to know that you're not afraid of those tears. You're not afraid of those concerns. You want to walk with them. Lord, for those in different uh, vocational shifts in life, Lord, that they would surrender. How we go to work and play and the things that we do. I pray our heart would always be yes to you, Jesus. And a full surrender, a posture of humility, knowing that glory isn't taken, but it's given. And so, Lord, we love you and we thank you. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.